yeah, very good morning to you. I hope you're well on this cold Friday morning. In the UK, anyway, it is December 1st, 2023. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, 24 days to go. All the madness that goes with that. Still very cold here in the UK. It's expected to remain cold for the next 48 to 72 hours. And then temperatures hopefully returning to a bit more like we'd expect at this time of year. Five or six degrees and grim and drizzly. That's what we expect. It's been freezing. But, um, yeah, I'm in good form myself this morning. Let's look at the front pages of the papers. After all, you're listening to the Papers podcast. The Papers, The Daily Express. Front page. Why? It is an injustice to name royals in race row. This is hilarious, this. Omid Scobie is a weird little dude, isn't he? And he's written books about the royal family. And apparently he's very close to Harry and Meghan, the Sussexes. And in the book he's written, Catherine, the wife of William, the Prince of Wales, she's the Princess of Wales, and King Charles himself, they have been named as the royal racists. Because apparently, allegedly, they inquired before young Archie was born, the Sussexes' firstborn, I believe, yes, they inquired, did Kate and Charles, as to what colour the baby would be. That's the claim, anyway. This guy, Omid Scobie, went on a television programme called This Morning Yesterday, and he said, well, well, I didn't say any, I didn't put it in the book, I don't know how it got in there. So it's getting a lot of coverage, the Conservative newspapers leaping to the defence of the very precious royal family, and claims that the royals, the royal household is looking at potential legal action against Emmett Scobie and his publishers. So that's the Express. Even if they did, how could it be racist, you know? She's mixed race as Megan, who was in who was in that TV show that I liked, and I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> that legal drama begins with an S. Anyway, the Daily Mail. Scobie's defence unravels. Author has said for days that the names of the two royals accused of discussing Archie's skin colour were never in his book. But last night, the Dutch translator told the mail the names were there in black and white. The plot thickens. So Scobie went on the box and he said the names were not in the book. But the Dutch translator said they were. He's a lying little bastard is Scooby. It's the most ridiculous name, isn't it, Omid Scooby? Anyway, the Metro, keep calm and carry on. It photographs William and Kate appearing at some gala or other last night, looking unperturbed by the racism scandal. That's the Metro. The Daily Star, well done to the star. It has a wonderful photograph of the late Shane McGowan on the front page, a truly lovely photograph. I urge you to get online and have a look at that photograph. You'll find it on the Daily Star's website. It's a photograph of Shane with a lovely smile on his face, a much younger Shane, holding a glass of wine. So he's got a glass of claret, a glass of red wine, and a cigarette, and he's looking at something. Don't think he's paying too much attention to the photographer, but it looks like he's in, he's in great spirits. He looks fabulous in the photograph. So, um, King of the Hellraisers is the headline. Tributes flood 
in for fairy tale of New York legend Shane McGowan as he dies aged 65 and I became a little bit emotional yesterday lunchtime when I learned the news and I'm not prone me to be very emotional but I, I loved Shane I loved his music I loved him and I was um, lucky enough to meet him in a bar called Shefflin's years ago Shefflin's was owned by I, I was working for a I was working at a bar called Muldoon's I was the DJ at Muldoon's, a disco bar in Waterford City Centre. And at that time, the owners also had a place called Shefflin's, which was only a couple of hundred metres down the road. And Shane was playing there solo. And the owner of the venue said, Richie, pop along and say hello to him before the gig. And I did. And he was sober and he was lucid and he was funny. Spoke to him for about 10 minutes, no more than that, chatting about people we would have met along the way because I worked in radio in Ireland and I knew people in music and entertainment we had a bit of a laugh and then I was able to see three or four songs before I had to get my backside back down the road for my own gig but uh, he was lovely and the world I think um, well it's 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 a little bit lesser this morning without the great Shane McGowan so lovely photograph on the front page of the Daily Star well done and would you believe it same photograph is on the front page of the Sun same photograph, the headline is, and the bells are ringing out for Shane. His Christmas classic, Fairy Tale of New York, set for number one. And that's a little bit cynical, isn't it? That's what the music business does. It's what publishing companies do. They're cynical. There will be an attempt to cash in now, of course, on, on Shane. On Shane passing away, cue the, the greatest hits compilations, which will no doubt be released shortly. Morrissey had a fantastic song, The Smiths, wonderful song on on Strange Ways Here We Come, the final Smiths album. There is a song and the name of the song escapes me, but there's a line in it about it's it's about a singer dying and then the industry taking advantage of his death. It'll come to me in a moment. I'm going to have to look for it now. I know this is a podcast and it isn't live. But um, I've got to look for it. I've got to look for it, dearest listener. Strange is here we come. So it's the final um, studio album by the Smiths. And there is a song on there. And I'm looking it up now. And it is, it is called Paint a Vulgar Picture. That's right. Paint a Vulgar Picture. That's right. Okay, so that was The Sun. The Guardian then. Am I boring the bejesus out here? The Guardian... Deal agreed at COP28 to help poor countries cope with climate crisis. We might talk a little bit more about that in a moment. There's also a nice photograph of Shane in The Guardian. Different photograph, Shane, with his um, looking... I don't know, how do you describe his look? He's looking... Almost like he's looking into the distance and he's got his hands clenched into fists and they're on either side of his face. It's another photograph taken when he was young and when he was in his prime. The Times. Lockdown delay was fatal mistake, admits Hancock. That's the front page. And the Times basically leads on his testimony to the COVID inquiry yesterday, where he said, like his, like everybody else who's been giving evidence since the inquiry began, that delaying the national lockdown was a mistake. The inquiry, as you know, and as I know, is nothing more than a cover-up. There's also a photograph on the Times of Henry Kissinger because it was announced yesterday that he had died aged 100. Financial Times has a story about 
risky investments and also a photograph of Alistair Darling on the front page of the Financial Times. He's died aged, seven, aged 70. He's a former Chancellor of the Exchequer. Lots of lovely glowing tributes being paid to Darling today, which kind of sickens my shit. That's a great Irish saying, by the way. It sickens my shit. It means that you're generally disgusted by something. Why am I disgusted? Well, Darling is being lauded as a lovely gentleman. He was a great chancellor and, you know, he was an old school politician, blah, 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 blah. Back in 2008, Darling led the, let's bail out the banks and not bail out the people. Yeah, let's borrow billions and bail out the banks and levy that onto the ordinary taxpayer when the banks should have been allowed to uh, fail and collapse, right? And the money used, the money that was given to the banks to keep them going, particularly the Royal Bank of Scotland, should have been given to people. Bail out people, don't bail out banks, is what I was saying at the time. So darling, on the front page of the Financial Times and the iPaper to finish off the front pages, Labour, EU will be our number one priority for UK foreign policy. Labour, EU will be our number one priority for UK foreign policy. That's self-explanatory and that's interesting. In the week when the when Ursula von der Leyen, the uh, top dog at the EU, said that um, you know it's open for the UK to rejoin the European Union at some stage in the future. Those were the front pages of today's UK newspapers. I'm Richie Allen. You're listening to the papers. Let's go inside. The same papers. Let's go inside. Knock, knock, open wide. Okay, The Telegraph. BBC is too politically correct, say working class audiences. Good headline, yes. Working class audiences find the BBC too politically correct and lacking in, quote, unvarnished opinion. An Ofcom study has found. Ofcom is the broadcast regulator. Programmes were deemed too dry and serious, while popular sitcoms had been replaced by cringy attempts at Gen Z humour, Gen Z, Generation Z. Viewers missed the likes of Ricky Gervais and Jeremy Clarkson, the regulator said. Research found that the broadcaster is considered out of touch on presenter pay and its portrayal of working class characters can be stereotypical or tokenistic. The regulator carried out the survey of people from working class and lower income households after becoming concerned that only 55% of them have a positive opinion of the BBC in Ofcom surveys compared to 67% of middle class professionals. Ofcom said, quote, a key issue raised by a number of people that we spoke to was that BBC programming is increasingly seen as dry and serious compared to other PSB channels, that's public service broadcasters, such as ITV and the major streaming services. BBC content was also seen as increasingly safe and by some overtly politically correct or overly politically correct. Very interesting but hardly unsurprising, dearest listener, is it? It has become terribly bland, BBC programming, BBC sitcoms, incredibly safe, not remotely edgy as they used to be back in the day. Think of the stuff. If my pal, Jean Ann Crowley, was sitting alongside me herself, a veteran of great BBC drama, think of the great television the BBC produced in the 70s and 80s. Edgy, you know, challenging stuff, hilariously funny. It really was, you know. My, fa- I've never mentioned this before. My favourite, what you might call 
um, back in the day. My favourite, I suppose, when I was younger, when the BBC was different, my favourite show was the Fall and Rise, or the Rise and Fall, the Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin with Leonard Rossiter, which is funny because when I was a young lad, a very young lad, I didn't get the humour in it, but it made me laugh. You know, Reggie's office appearances when he was summoned to CJ's office at Sunshine Desserts and sat down and there was always a whoopee cushion which you couldn't see making the noise. So as kids, we found it funny. I didn't get where I am today, Reggie, and all of that. But as I got older and I watched the repeats of it or the reruns, as they might say, in the US, I just found it hilarious. A brilliant, brilliant, kind of weird and bizarre and funny and spooky uh, television programme, the fall and rise of Reginald Perrin. You couldn't imagine anything like that being made today, let alone Faulty Towers and the Major and everything else. So great, yeah, very good. Even even, even um, Porridge, you look at um, uh, Rising Damp, you look at... Um, only Fools and Horses, even, might be deemed to be too risque for the BBC in 2023. This made me laugh in the Times. It made me properly laugh. This is a first world problem. Do you like that term? The Times. Lord Howard of Rising ousted in village revolt. <laughs> Who the hell is... Who the fuck is William T. Santiago? Who the hell is Lord Howard of Rising? Well, Lord Howard of Rising's ancestors have been masters of a bucolic corner. You don't often come across bucolic in the in the press these days. Good on the times for, you know, using the Oxford Concise Dictionary. So his ancestors, Lord Howard of Rising, have been masters of a bucolic corner of Norfolk for almost a thousand years. But now, amid a distinctly provincial village rebellion over red tape, taxation and plans for a new 30 mile per hour speed limit, he has been unseated. The distinguished aristocrat who helped Boris Johnson and Liz Truss to become Prime Minister has, much like his political friends, found himself with no choice but to step down. What's going on at Castle Rising Parish? Well, I'll tell you, he's resigned from Castle Rising Parish Council, which covers his 12th century family seat. Why? Well, he blames newcomers to the village because there's been an acrimonious row about um, a number of things, one of them being the speed limit, right? He wanted to um, oppose a motion to lower the speed limit through the village, which numbers just 200 people. I don't want to lower the speed limit, he said. Now, he's led the council for 35 years. He's 82. And he argued, we don't need to lower the speed limit because drivers naturally slow down because of the road configuration. The roads are very bendy and twisty and windy. And people slow down anyway. And if you put up these new speed signs, it would damage the character of the conservation area. However... Consultant paediatrician called Claire Smith, a veritable blow-in, a blow-in, dear listener, who didn't, you know, doesn't have the presence, the family of Lord Howard and all of that, a blow-in, no connection to the area. Um, she supported lowering, lower, lowering the limit and she was recorded in a recent council meeting as having offered her apologies for an untrue email in which she claimed that the draft minutes had been heavily edited by the chairman. 
Howard himself, he was disgusted and he resigned. He said it was defamatory and a disgrace to the council that anybody would suggest the minutes had been amended and it would be improper for him to remain as chairman having strongly opposed the speed limit. So he lost the vote, the speed limit comes in and he's done one, as we say in these parts. He's done one, he's left. He said, this parish council has become something with which I do not wish to be associated. And off he's gone. Lovely. It's page three of the Times today. Great story. What's he called again? Lord Howard of Rising. Indeed. The Guardian fears rise for LGBTQ asylum seekers over home office hotel room sharing push. Yes. There is so little room now for asylum seekers that the home office is encouraging the it's encouraging staff you know the people responsible for housing asylum seekers to quote cram more people into hotel rooms and concerns are mounting for lgbtq plus asylum seekers because of the cram more people into hotel rooms policy so a guardian investigation identified cases including that of a transgender man that means a woman who slept on a staircase because he she was afraid for her safety and a gay man who was afraid to get undressed because of the amount of homophobic abuse he received operation maximize as it was known as it is known in the home office was introduced by immigration minister robert jenrick as part of a drive to contain the rising costs of housing asylum seekers and this has led to groups of people being forced to share small rooms it's vaudeville isn't it in one hotel, there was an outbreak of scabies. Jesus Christ, right? And this was confirmed by public health officials after the room-sharing policy came in. And NGOs have identified cases where age-disputed children were forced to share rooms with unrelated adults. This is just... I just said it. It's vaudeville. It's madness. Isn't it madness? It is madness, isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ... Goes on to quote people, including Asylum Matters, which is a charity, which goes on to say this is terrible, traumatic. You know, asylum seekers coming here, fleeing, harmed, they're vulnerable, and we got to do more, and we got to spend more, and they've got to have more accommodation and single rooms and all of this. Meanwhile, you walk down Market Street in Manchester, you go to the high streets of Leeds, Birmingham, Liverpool, and you'll see British people freezing their arses off in sleeping bags and doorways. Nobody seems to give a shit about them. You know what I'm saying? That's in The Guardian. Operation Maximize. Telegraph. Michael Gove tees up clash with Sadiq Khan over Las Vegas-style sphere venue in Stratford. Have you seen that feckin' thing in Las Vegas, which was opened by you too, that Egypt Bono? Have you seen it? It's an extraordinary thing. It's an amazing thing. It is a venue that is a massive sphere, just a huge sphere from the outside. And it's an LED thing. So the sphere can reflect any, any image. It, sometimes it looks like um, the earth seen from space. Other times it looks like a basketball. It's an amazing thing. Go to YouTube immediately upon finishing the podcast with me and look at the sphere. And it's a venue. And U2 opened it. And people who went to see the U2 show said they've never seen 
or felt or experienced anything like it ever. It's an immersive experience, basically. You go in there, and the walls inside the sphere, all of them um, are screens as well, right? So you're sitting there watching you too, and everything is happening around you. The speakers, the 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 PA system, it's all it's all within the walls as well. I'm not doing a great job of explaining explaining it because I'm not the most technically minded person, but it is the the greatest innovation in the history of live performance and the experience of a live performance. You as a fan. Now the owners of this and the builders of it want to put one in Stratford in East London and Michael Gove is all for it, the levelling up secretary. But Labour Mayor Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. The decision could be overturned by Michael Gove. Um, He has the last word. Um, It's about 800 million quid to build this thing. And uh, the, the concerns with it are, it does affect lighting in the area. It is so massive and so bright, okay, that it is going to have an impact environmentally. It will certainly have an impact on nocturnal animals, they reckon, birds and, and whatnot. But um, do check it out on, on online. It is a remarkable thing. And there are some videos taken within the bloody thing when you 2 opened it back in September. The glow, glowing orb, it's known as. Um, Madison Square Garden, that's right. Um, Entertainment Corporation. So Madison Square Garden Entertainment Corporation is behind the sphere and it wants to build one in London in this place, Stratford. And City uh, Can doesn't want it. I kind of hope they do build it somewhere because I'd like to experience it myself being a big fan of live music. It's the Daily Mail. You know that COP28 began yesterday. You know that old jug ears, Charlie, excuse me, will deliver an address there. You know that, don't you? Headline, the Daily Mail. King Charles will warn world leaders the earth does not belong to us. The king, not our king, will tell world leaders the hope of the world rests on the decisions you must take when he addresses the COP28 eco-summit in Dubai. Today, he is the only foreign head of state who has been invited to speak at the Climate Action Meeting of Global Leaders in honour of the work he has been undertaking in the environmental field for decades. The speech will contain such lines. He will tell delegates, I pray with all my heart that COP28 will be a critical turning point towards genuine transformational action. But he's also said to warn that while progress has been made, Towards a more sustainable future, the repeated warning signs of the impact of climate change are being ignored, especially in vulnerable regions, vulnerable countries, vulnerable sub-Saharan countries and African countries are vulnerable because of our terrible attitude towards climate change. And we keep putting out CO2 and it is causing... Well, it's causing storms and and heat waves and droughts in sub-Saharan Africa. This is bullshit. He's going to say, quote, the earth earth doesn't belong to us. We belong to the earth. Ironically, of course, the crown is the biggest private landowner on planet earth. What a bastard. That's going on. Interesting to see what they agree to. And if there is some binding agreement signed by the 
I don't know if it's possible. Is it possible? I don't know. I've got to look into that. If Sunak is entitled to sign anything, you know, to commit Britain to some binding, legally binding agreement, I don't know, without first of all taking it back to Parliament. I don't know. I'm sure we will find out. The Sun. Oh, they're ramping up the old come and get your jabs. This is in the mirror too, but the Sun. Thousands of Brits urged to get flu and COVID jabs before bookings close to protect families this Christmas. What a load of bollocks. You have a jab to protect your family. Bollocks. It's unethical. It's unthinkable. It was unthinkable only a couple of years ago. Listen to my interview this week, the week just gone, with the great Dr. Jane Donegan. Great lady. So they're basically saying to people, the NHS online booking system will close from December 15th. So hurry, roll up. It's your last chance to get a flu and a COVID jab to protect yourself this winter. And the article quotes various NHS England people telling you why you need to rush and get your bloody jab. It's fucking terrible, isn't it? They reckon that since November... Sorry. They reckon that since the autumn rollout began, right, right up to yesterday, more than 11 million COVID jabs have been given and 16 million flu jabs. Do you believe that? I don't know what to believe. But I will be pretty dismayed if, in fact, 11 million people or... 11 million COVID jabs. Yeah, you would imagine it's one per person. If 11 million people came forward, I'd be pretty dismayed by that because we know what that will lead to. Yes, and the Guardian, again, inside Spanish Prime Minister says he doubts Israel is respecting international law. The Israelis threw toys out of Pram and summoned the, sorry, summoned the Spanish ambassador to Israel to be reprimanded And of course, Israel does what Israel does. Uh, Says Spain has some cheek. How dare they? We're defending ourselves. Blah, 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 blah. Of course, you probably know by now that the Hamas-Israel ceasefire expired at midnight. And Israel has been bombarding Gaza since then. And if I just go to the BBC News website, because it is now 7.40am here in Salford. 7.40am. Yeah, Israel resumes strikes in Gaza after ceasefire ends. That's what the BBC News website is reporting right now. Come here and I tell you, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Wrap up well. That was the papers for Friday, December 1st, 2023. Next time you can hear from me will be Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I'll be here with Sunday Morning Melodies. That's a live programme on the Richie Allen Show app, richieallen.co.uk and Fab Radio 2 in Manchester. Until Sunday Morning Melodies, Arrivederci. Bye.